Listening to the Okra Podcast, a show entirely dedicated to an incredible plant and vegetable, Abelmoschus esculentus, also known as okra. Okra is known by many names, such as gombo, bamia, bindi, ladies' fingers, just to name a few. And it's not just the pods that are edible, but also the okra's leaves, its blossoms, and even its seeds. If you've ever planted okra seeds in your garden, you probably ended up with more okra than you knew what to do with. So yes, okra is quite perfect for sharing with family and friends, and really with anyone who appreciates this wonderful summer crop. And that is what this podcast series is all about. We want to celebrate okra and invite our guests and listeners to share their okra stories and experiences with us. And if you haven't been a fan of okra in the past, then this podcast may very well change your mind. I am Rebecca White, and this is the Okra Podcast. I am excited to be co-hosting the show with fellow okra enthusiast and author of the award-winning book, The Whole Okra, A Seed to Stem Celebration, Chris Smith. Hi, Chris. Thanks for that, Rebecca. This is Chris Smith, and I'm truly excited to be producing this podcast all about okra, the plant, the food, and the people it connects. I always seem to come across people with beautiful okra stories or different seed varieties or new ideas or refound old ideas on using okra or loved family recipes. There's just so much wonder out there when it comes to okra. I'm always amazed where okra has taken me, and I'm happy that you'll be joining us as we continue to explore okra in all its diversity, both in the garden and the kitchen, and maybe even on Mars. But before we launch okra into space, Let's take a few moments to let everyone know what they can expect when they tune into the Okra podcast. I've been growing and sharing okra for a number of years now, and when I talk to people about okra, I'm always fascinated by how quick the conversations move from okra the plant to people sharing childhood experiences and memories of okra dishes cooked by family members using recipes often passed down from one generation to the next. It's hearing those kinds of stories and listening to the memories about family members that I've come to appreciate okra also as a vehicle for collecting and transmitting oral histories. Thus, planting and cooking and talking about okra is always also a tribute to those who've come before us. And for me personally, it's an opportunity to explore and celebrate the rich history and culinary traditions of my African-American and African ancestors. I look forward to listening to the many Oprah stories and experiences that our guests will be sharing with us this season. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to follow Okra back to its African roots and around the world that Okra has traveled so widely. And we certainly shan't be ignoring the complexities of Okra's more recent history in the American South. Now, most weeks we'll be interviewing other Okra enthusiasts and sharing their stories and experiences but we thought it would be a pretty good idea if we started off by sharing our own.
yes, let's talk a little bit about how we got here. How did you get involved with, or I should say, come to love okra? Yeah, my my okra story is a love story of sorts. I didn't start off on the best footing. I came to America in 2006, just on a personal kayaking trip. I grew up in England and I just had okra, you know, at a roadside greasy spoon just outside of Clayton, Georgia. And it was one of those experiences that gives okra a bad reputation. It was probably frozen okra, pre-breaded in old oil. And it was just, it just wasn't good. So I try not to dwell on that experience because six years later, I came back to America as the fiance of Belle Crawford, who grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. And she kind of obligated me to go to her wedding shower or bridal shower, where we received all these wonderful gifts. And one gift that really, really, I guess, changed my life was a box of Indian spices in which there was a single dried okra pod. And the gift, there was a a friend of Belle's called Linda Lee, who had bought the seeds from a farmer at a roadside stand in Rosman, North Carolina. And then she had grown those seeds and saved them herself. And she was now passing those seeds on to me. And I was a gardener and a seed saver. So it was really quite inspiring to receive a gift of seeds, but also kind of a, a weighty responsibility. These seeds had a history and it was up to me to give them a future. So when I had an option to grow these seeds, I, I went ahead and did it, even though I didn't really know too much about okra. And if any of you are gardeners, and you'll probably have had this experience, that when you grow food yourself, you get to interact with it in a whole new level, something that you can't achieve even at the farmer's markets, but certainly not in the supermarket. So that was really what I considered to be the beginning of my okra journey, was just growing this exciting new crop for me in a new country and really falling in love with it as a plant with so much potential. And that began the journey that led to me publishing the book, The Whole Okra, last year. Uh, This year, it won a James Beard Award. And now here I am with you, Rebecca, producing a podcast completely dedicated to okra. So my my okra story, my okra love story is definitely an ongoing thing. And I'm really excited to be here. So what about you? How did you come to love, enjoy, or just come to okra? Well, I guess you could say that my proper introduction to okra was when I was around 10 years old. And my family and I got on a plane in Frankfurt, Germany, and we traveled to New York City. A few days later, we headed to Charleston, South Carolina, which is where my dad was born and raised in a historic and tight-knit farming and fishing community on James Island. That's also where I had my first taste of okra soup. For those of you who've never had okra soup, it is this magical concoction of okra, tomatoes, smoked meat, and lima beans served over rice. And every time I cook and eat this okra soup, I'm transported back to that summer. It was a really hot summer, and I remember the balmy scent of the marshes and the breeze coming in from the ocean in the afternoons. And as I'm talking about it now, I can almost hear the faint buzzing of those pesky little mosquitoes. But most of all, what I remember is being surrounded by lots and lots of family, and that I felt like I had finally come home. Thanks for that beautiful story, Rebecca. That was very evocative, and I love the imagery around okra soup. And one thing it reminded me was that we should probably warn people that these podcasts could really make you quite hungry. So be sure to have your favorite okra snack on hand whenever you're listening. Okay, so as we look forward to the coming season, 
What is it that you're really excited about for this podcast? I'm excited about having the opportunity to hear about other people's okra stories and about their experiences with it. I also can't wait to hear more about the history and the science connected to okra. And of course, I'm looking forward to trying some new recipes. What about you? Yeah, I was really inspired by the brainstorming that we both did around all the people that we already knew about when it came to okra. And it was just a really fun list of people from all different sectors that are connected to okra and that we're hoping to get to speak to. And I I really want to recognize in this podcast that okra is way more than just a green pod. It's a whole plant and there are many cultures that celebrate it around the world. So my hope is that we get to talk to people that represent that like worldliness of okra and get to speak to people across the whole agricultural and culinary spectrum. I think that's going to be really fun. And then there's another aspect that I'm hoping we'll get to engage with, and that's having listeners feedback to us. We've already decided to include some okra short stories with each episode. And I think once the season gets rolling, we'll probably find that there's lots of people out there that want to share back. And then there is one thing that I briefly want to address. And I know that we'll probably come back to this in a, in a later episode. But are we really going to grow okra on Mars? Well, why not? It was Carl Sagan who said, and I quote, Imagination will often carry us to worlds that never were. But without it, we go nowhere. So yes, the idea of okra on Mars may be something worth exploring further. I actually got interested in this idea after listening to an interview on one of my favorite public radio shows, Science Friday. The conversation that day had to do with soil composition on Mars, and it got me thinking and then digging into the research and projects that scientists have been working on. There's some really interesting experiments being done with plants and simulating Martian conditions in places such as Hawaii, for example. I'm hopeful that we'll have at least one future guest that can tell us more about some of this work and research. I think we should probably leave it there for now. Yeah, that's fair enough. We can come back to it down, down the road. There is one thing, though, that we can share a little about, and that's that we have a mutual friend called Nathan Harmon, and he's a potential future guest. He's certainly quite fanatical about okra, and he sent to both you and I a 2,000-pound bag of okra seed. Now, 2,000 pounds of okra seed is a lot, a lot of okra seed. And so I thought it'd be fun if we just share a little bit of what we're doing with it. So for me, I've had my bag a little longer than you, and I've already pressed some of the seed into an okra seed oil. I'm a big fan of home-pressed seed oils, and the flavors you get are really quite fantastic. Uh, the okra seed oil, you know, I'm playing around with some of the different seed settings and stuff to see how that goes, but we can check back about that at a later episode. I also have another friend who uh, used to be a pastry chef. And so she's been doing some okra seed flour type recipes. She made this divine okra seed sourdough, which I think she included walnuts and it just came out as a real heavy, thick, tasty loaf. And then she also took some of those seeds and just roasted them and included them in a granola mix. And she gave me a small bag of this granola mix. And in black Sharpie, it was written okranola, which I thought was pretty cute. So lots of other places to explore, but I'll leave it there. And I want to know what you're doing with your 2,000 pounds of okra seed. Well, up to now, I've been mostly busy with shoveling okra seeds into bags, then packing them into my old car and then delivering them all over town. I do want to give Nathan a quick shout out. Thank you, Nathan, for making all of my okra seed dreams come true. 
And also thank you, Chris, for introducing me to Nathan and for inviting me to join this very exclusive okra seed club. Hmm. I wonder how many okra seeds there are in a 2,000-pound bag. You didn't count your seeds by any chance, did you, Chris? <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid not, but it does sound like a pretty good math challenge for our listeners. <laughs> I really am very excited about having received my okra seeds, and I'm really grateful to Tony and Betsy Brown of Longview Farms in Havana, Florida, for letting me store those 2,000 pounds of okra seeds in their barn until I figure out what to do with them. Actually, Betsy also bakes and sells her very own wonderful sourdough bread and sourdough starter, and she will be experimenting with and perhaps incorporating some of the okra seeds in her recipes. Beyond that, I'm hoping just to have as many people as possible join me in coming up with fun and creative ways to utilize these seeds. I'm pretty sure also that some of those seeds will work their way into my okra art. We don't want to take too much of your time for this first introductory episode of the Okra podcast. So we'll wrap it up by asking you to help us grow this Okra community by subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your fellow Okra friends and family. It would also be great to get the word out there for episode one, which will be airing soon with Gulagichi chef BJ Dennis. Thanks again for tuning in to the Okra podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Okra podcast. We'll include links in the show notes or feel free to email us via theokrapodcast at gmail.com. And to close out today's show, we're excited to play you a song by a wonderful Tallahassee acoustic music ensemble, The Hot Tamale, performing one of our favorite pieces, The Okra Song. Water in the road, a slow chopper sun beats me queasy You know the okra don't grow if the water don't flow Gonna rain, don't think so Been dry since old Noah's day Wish that old boy sent a drop or two down my way But till the deluge start I'm doing my part The okra don't grow if the water don't grow. You want a big mess of You gotta pick up that hole. You want some fat butter beef. Buddy, pick up that hole. You want potatoes, potatoes. Oh, yeah. You want some squash, a root, a bagel. You got to be willing to pick up that hole. For hours, 
Seemed like I spent my life holding this pose instead of holding my own sweet wife. But she likes some okra, she told me so. Because the okra don't grow if the water don't flow. Watering the road, a slow job but easy. And okra don't grow if the water don't flow. So I'll hold this hose while the sun beats me queasy. Because the okra don't grow if the water don't flow. You know the okra don't grow if the water don't.